The Todd and Oz Show is live. Get in on the conversation at 512-836-0590. Now, here are Todd and Oz. 705 on the Todd and Oz Show. I'm Patrick Osborne. He is Brad Swale. Todd Jeffries out for the rest of the week. He'll be back on Monday. All we're missing is you right now. 512-836-0590. Brad, thanks for being with us for yet another morning. Always a pleasure to have you here. It's always a pleasure to be here, Patrick. Uh, so uh, there's some news out there. Supreme Court is uh, has agreed to review whether or not former President Donald Trump has immunity from prosecution in the special counsel's federal election interference case. Uh, it's an election year dispute that going to have blockbuster legal and political implications for the nation, no doubt about it. Uh, so, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, let's get a little bit more of that from uh, Fox's Brooks Singman. The Supreme Court is fast-tracking the appeal and will begin hearing oral arguments on April 22nd. And the High Court's decision is expected sometime around late June and will likely have blockbuster legal and political implications. The former president saying, quote, without presidential immunity, a president will not be able to properly function or make decisions in the best interest of the United States of America. But the media are worried about timing. And presidential candidate Nikki Haley says the Supreme Court should take up this question and settle it once and for all. She said no person should be entirely immune from penalties for crimes committed, not even a president, not Clinton, not Biden, and not Trump. Of course, the uh, Supreme Court recently heard the case regarding the former president's eligibility for the Colorado primary ballot. Uh, you know, so the second time that the high court is hearing a case involving the presumed Republican presidential nominee. Yep. Um, so Colorado still wants to kick Trump off the ballot. And of course, a, a, an Illinois judge has just ruled, too, that, that Trump can, can be uh, removed from the state ballot. He cites the, uh, the insurrectionist ban. Uh, so uh, they're they're moving swiftly and, and and hard to keep Donald Trump off ballots wherever they can, keep him tied up in the legal system as much as they can. But uh, what do you think of this? Is this uh, you think this may be a potentially a little light at the end of the tunnel for Donald Trump when it comes to this uh, immunity situation? I mean, it certainly could be a light at the at the end of the tunnel. But now with the Illinois ju- judge ordering the removal of Donald Trump from the Illinois primary ballot. Seems like Nikki Haley's on to something. Mm. Maybe. I don't know. You think so? Well, I don't I mean I don't know, but this seems to be her strategy. She just she just she, so she's an opportunist is what you're saying. Yeah. She's she's just a a a, a scavenger. This is her kind of waiting around to pick the bones clean. This seems to be her strategy. Just hang in there long enough and kind of see how all these court battles play out, see if Donald Trump gets removed from all these ballots. And then she can, then she gets proven. I don't know something. I guess she thinks she's proven right. Well, so so talking about removing him from ballots, that Illinois judge announced it was late yesterday that Donald Trump's been removed from the state's 2024 Republican presidential primary ballot uh, over what they say was his role uh, in inciting the uh, the mild unrest that happened at, on January 6th that they call an insurrection. One of the only, if, if not maybe the only, unarmed insurrection in the world's history. Yeah, I mean, the best part of this is that even if he is removed from the Illinois ballot, or I guess he is removed, uh, Nikki Haley will still lose in Illinois. That's right, she will. Somehow. She will. Uh, Cook County Circuit Judge Tracy Porter has barred Trump from the ballot. It's just a, a, a comes a month after the anti-Trump challenge was dismissed by the Illinois State Board of Elections. Now, according to court documents, uh, Porter gave the order yesterday urging the board to remove Trump or, quote, cause any votes cast for him to be suppressed, end quote, for violating Section 3 of the 14th Amendment or the Disqualification Clause for engaging in insurrection. Now, I do, I still to this day do not know how anybody, how, how there's any justification for this when Donald Trump has never been convicted of inciting an insurrection, 
None, none of that. Yeah. You know, I, and so here you have basically, I mean, I, I could have sworn, I could have sworn we hate, we were innocent until proven guilty in this country. Sure. Unless your name is Trump, unless you're Republican. Well, he's a, there's a, he's a fascist at the door, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So you got to take extreme measures naturally. So this, this ruling by the, this clearly highly progressive judge uh, reverses last month's decision by the Illinois Board of Elections to keep Trump names, uh, Trump's name on the ballot. Uh, and, uh, uh you know, I guess there were just like a group of Illinois voters that had initially engaged or accused the former president of engaging in an yeah. insurrection. That's what kind of led to that. The board said, no, sorry, we're keeping him on the ballot. Yeah. But how does that make you feel? I mean, I know we've talked a lot about this, but you have you have judges out there uh, who are actively making the decision for you that you cannot have your rightful chosen candidate on a state ballot. Yeah, five one two eight three six zero five ninety is uh, is the number. Weigh in on that. I mean, I, I, I this wouldn't make me feel more comfortable, but at least there would be some logic and consistency to it. If he actually was convicted and charged with insurrection, then maybe you could make that argument and Agreed. fine. Agreed. Yeah, but that's not what's happening, and they're just you know going based off their feelings. They just want him to be guilty, and so in their minds, he is. He's off the ballot because I want him to be guilty because I'm a shill for the Democrat Party. Naturally, right? yes. Go to San Marcos. Andy's got some thoughts. Good morning, Andy. Well, you're exactly right. I mean, how many people can be deemed guilty of a crime never been, you know, charged with or, or uh, tried of and found guilty of? That, I mean, that's that's not the way American. it's supposed to work in this country. And, <laughs> and that, that's what that's what Nikki Haley needs to do. You know, if she wants to go after and win, if she wants to win the Republican base, she needs to go after the base, and she needs to have some some Donald Trump positions uh, that fill uh, her quiver of what she's running on. And she needs to come straight out and say that this entire political witch hunt of Donald Trump is nothing but that. It is a partisan approach to uh, deny the people of America their vote. Certainly and, appears to uh, be. I mean, and she gets, she gets a, a, lot, a lot of the vote would vote for her. A lot of us don't like Donald Trump. We don't like the way he conducts himself. We don't like the way his approach to politics is. It's so brash. It's so confrontational all the time. He fights with people he doesn't need to fight with. You're right, he does. But, but his policies are good for America. His policies respect the Constitution. His policies say, hey, if you want to make it in America, you can make it in America. He, he wants America first. He wants us to prosper. And I haven't heard any of those tones come out of Nikki Haley's mouth. No, I, I I agree with you. She she does not. I, I think I think she's really definitely uh, missing an opportunity there, uh, and and that's a good observation, Andy. Seven sixteen, Patrick Osborne and Brad Swale, five one two eight three six zero five ninety. This is the Todd and Oz show. Uh, looks like a court has struck down an early voting law in Joe Biden's backyard of Delaware. Uh, he's you know he's he's been highly critical of other states for requiring you know photo ID and. Uh, or, or uh, you, you know, their their mail in voting. Uh, so, uh, a state or, or a court there in in uh, Delaware is determined state law allowing ten days of early voting and permanent absentee voting violated the Delaware Constitution. Uh, Delaware Superior Court Judge Mark Connor ruled in a twenty five page opinion the enactments of the General Assembly challenged today are inconsistent with our Constitution and cannot stand. Um, so uh, it looks like uh, it's. It, I mean, a lot of this is legalese arguing over you know, kind of wording of, uh, you know, in the statutes and things yeah. like that. I just find it ironic, though, that, you know, Joe Biden, I mean, he's used phrases like, 
Uh, like he's talked to like he's you know, like rhetorical bombs he's thrown to like Georgia, other states as being like Jim Crow 2.0 or Jim Eagle, you know, for requiring voter ID for mail-in voting. You know, Georgia allows for up to three weeks of early voting, so I don't, you know, but I just find the irony here that uh, Joe Joe Biden's home state apparently uh, mail-in voting is is a is a problem there and uh, probably nationwide if they want to implement it again. Yeah, of course, uh, I think so. I mean, it, it seems obvious that you want to. I don't know, voting is is pretty important. We're told and. You know, making that secure, making sure the person that's voting is the is the the, the, the person that they say they are. That all seems pretty logical. It but. does. It does. I mean, you, you have to have a, an ID to do almost anything, but you don't have to have an ID. You can just go cast that ballot. That's right. You sign an affidavit or something like that and say, yeah, I am who I am. I am who I told you I am. That's right. Makes perfect sense. Of course. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. In someone's minds. But. Uh, do, so uh, do you have confidence in our in our elections? I mean, are, are you are you confident that for the most part they're secure? I'm not confident in anything that the government does. Fair enough. So, Fair enough. no. Talking my language now. Right. Yeah, I I, uh, I want to believe it. How about that? I want to believe that we would in this country run a fair, you know, fair elections with, with no problems. Sure. And I'm not talking about, uh, you know, 2020. I'm just talking about in general. Sure. Uh, I have a hard time actually believing, though, that that there's not a whole lot of manipulation everywhere all the way leading up to it and including on election day uh and and nobody i, I nobody in the government is going to make me believe otherwise that that it's all above board well i mean i think the first principle in politics is that politicians are always lying they are when yeah. they open their mouth that's what you happens. should you should always assume that there's a lie mm-hmm. so I, I, if you start there then yeah you should question it that doesn't mean that it's not secure or whatever but you should question it now, I do have a question. This is kind of more, uh, more locally, but it's related to elections here. Uh, I, I got word from uh, a source inside of City Hall that the, the uh, pro-Hamas protesters are going to be making their way back to City Hall today. Okay. They're going to have to have four uniformed cops in addition to the executive protection and plain clothes. City Hall is also a polling location currently. And the question was asked to me, do, do you feel that perhaps there, uh, that, that this... That, that there should be some concerns of voter intimidation uh, in, in a situation like that where you have extremely loud, angry uh, protesters out there uh, screaming about something at a place that's a polling site, yeah. City Hall. Uh, I, I'm, I, I'm not sure because I, th- and I think a lot of them are, you know, they're, they're probably just going to be there once again demanding an empty, meaningless virtue signal of a ceasefire resolution. Um, so I'm not sure. That that would rise to the level of voter intimidation, but I just wanted to ask you or any of you out there listening at five one two eight three six zero five ninety, if you were planning to show up to City Hall today for early voting and you saw a mob of Palestinian flags flying out there, and uh, it, would that turn you away? Would that would that make you think, well, you know what, maybe I don't need to go in here and drop a vote early? I mean, I think that it could be. It, it certainly could intimidate some voters into not going to that polling place. Um, I don't know. Does it does it meet the criteria for legally legally for voter intimidation? Are they talking to the voters? Are they are they right there looking over their shoulder? Are they saying that you should vote one way or another? You know, I don't know. Uh, that's a uh, that's a lawyer question. Sure it is. Sure it is. I, I just yeah, this was a question that was posed to me this morning by somebody at City Hall, and uh, and I just thought I might want to get your take on it because I, I do think that you know some people may be turned off from from you know hey I went all the way down here, I circled the block umpteen times to find a parking space, finally found one, and I roll up on City Hall, and there's this huge mob of angry people with their fists in the air shouting, uh, not an American flag among them. 
Uh, maybe I'll come back another day. If I was planning on voting today, I probably wouldn't go to City Hall knowing that. Yeah. Right? I would go somewhere else. Well, if you were planning to go to City Hall to vote early today, just know that there will be a gaggle of uh, pro-Palestinian protesters there once again. Yeah. Probably getting dragged out of the council chambers once again, too, because they don't know how to hack civil, apparently, when they're inside those chambers. Well, I mean, I, I might be interested interested in acting and asking them what exactly their goal is with the city of Austin if they do declare some sort of, you know, resolution for a ceasefire. What does that do, right? Aren't there more important things that you guys could be protesting that City Hall is doing that actually affects your life, that actually might have a impact on what you can and cannot do or how much money you have mm-hmm. to spend or, you know, whatever? Mm-hmm. Aren't there bigger things that you could be protesting locally, local issues? Yeah, I, 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 this is what I feel like I find myself saying every week the city council is in session because so often they're talking about stuff that actually isn't impacting local issues. But I will say I'm glad that they haven't taken a stand on this. I agree wholeheartedly with Kirk Watson when he said, nothing we do here will change anything over there, but it will divide us. And I'll tell you, we don't need any help with that. We're, no. we're we're already doing quite well with that on our own. Yeah, I mean, I do love to see that the you know the the progressives and the the Democrats you know that that infighting locally. That's you know I like to see that. Well, it does make for some some good Jerry Springer TV, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's worth something. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. I'll take it back to the golden age. <laughs> um, so speaking of uh, of of kind of protests, you remember there was uh, there's that group Rethink Thirty Five. Oh, I know them well. They're back. They're, what? they're back. They're well, back. I guess I-35 still exists. They're so. back. Once again, I-35 is just a racist dividing line uh, that must be destroyed in order to, to begin to heal this country. Or the, this city, pardon me. Well, this country. You had it right the first time. Well, it does go from Mexico to Canada. you got to destroy the whole thing. Well, at least through here. Yes. Uh, Rethink 35 uh, and, and a coalition of groups, they say. They're, 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 they're continuing to grow as they fight this I-35 expansion through Austin. So just yesterday... Rethink 35 and partners refiled a civil rights administrative complaint with additional signatories, including all three mayoral candidates. You got Doug Greco, Carmen Yanis Pulido, Kathy Tovo, uh, as well as D7 candidate uh, Adam Powell and more than 30 organizations and neighborhood associations. Complaints been filed with the Federal Highway Administration. There are a lot of groups in here. The usual suspects, Justice Coalition, Save Our Springs, people like that. Um, but uh, let's see. Here's the quote from uh, Miriam Shainfeld of uh, Rethink 35 says uh, it's well established by now that expanding highways doesn't work, causes tremendous harm to the community while providing no benefit in return. That's why the movement fighting this boondoggle is growing by the day, which is a cute word to use when Project Connect is absolutely everything uh, by definition of a boondoggle. And I, I question if, I, if Rethink 35 is growing by the day, but go on. Uh, they say uh, the complaint points to the fact, this is in their, this is by their words, I'm just reading their script here. <laughs> the complaint points to the fact that the initial construction of I-35 solidified the 1928 racial segregation line between East and West and contains data illustrating how the impacts of those decisions remain with us to this day. So here's where I have a problem. This is 2024. We have so many avenues and options to move beyond some road that maybe in 1928 was a dividing line. Most of us have cars. Most of us have access to buses. Most of us have to go all over the city just to get to a grocery store or work. So how can how can anyone continue to say that this is a dividing line? Uh, to me, that that's even more divisive than actually you know uh, 
Well, I, that's that's even more divided. That just makes the problem worse. That 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 narrative there. Yeah, I mean, Chris Harris says that I thirty five was divided has divided divided Austin and displaced and harmed people of color since it was built. And Textoc's efforts to expand I thirty five will will worsen that division, displacement, and harm. So, okay, yeah, I thirty five originally sure was a it, it did that. That was a long time ago. Uh, but I mean, people of color can live anywhere in the city of yes, Austin. No one is stopping people from going uh, east or west of I-35 or buying homes or traveling. I don't know. Congress divides downtown east and west. Is that also a dividing line? Well, that was originally the the east-west divider before 35. Congress sure. was. Right. And so I, I just don't get how anybody is going to buy this argument that it's a racist highway that divides Austin when it's not. People can do what they want. Plenty of people still believe it. Let's uh, let's check in with Westlake real quick. Amy wants to have some thoughts on this. Good morning, Amy. Hey, Amy. Yeah. Hey, good morning, guys. I want to completely agree with what you just said. Uh, you know, maybe 60, 70 years ago, 35 was something of a racial divide. But if you've been on the east side of 35, you know that that is not true. There's some beautiful anymore. growth over there. Um, it's, it's absolutely insane. So where is the divide 71? Or where is the divide 45? I, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. they, they, it just doesn't make any sense. These people are fighting for absolutely nothing and just trying to get their voice out there. I think so. I, I think you're 100% right, Amy, and, and uh, I think a lot of us can, can kind of see through this as well. It's 733. It's Todd Nas Show. Patrick Osborne and Brad Swale in for Todd Jeffries. Todd will be back on Monday. So, uh, looks like congressional leaders have a deal to avoid a government shutdown. The House is expected to vote today on a short-term spending bill that would extend government funding until next week. Senate and House leaders in both parties say the extra time will allow lawmakers to pass six of the 12 appropriation spending bills that would fund certain government agencies until September. The spending bill, or continuing resolution, would also extend the rest of government funding until late March. While it is expected to pass, some conservative Republicans like Chip Roy aren't thrilled with the idea of kicking the can down the road. I just want us to stand up and do what we said we would do, which was stand up for the border or reduce spending. This would be the fourth extension of government funding passed by this Congress. On Capitol Hill, Ryan Schmelz, Fox News. So what do you think about that? 512-836-0590 is our number here. Are you sick and tired of your government not being able to get anything done when it comes to uh, these these spending bills? Uh, constantly, as they put it, kick, kicking the can down the road with these short-term spending continuing resolutions that get us nowhere. Uh, we we How long has it been since we had like a legitimately balanced budget? Uh, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, like forever. Yeah. Uh, we, we have, it's, it's, it's pure ineptitude up there in Washington, DC. And here we are yet again for the third time under Mike Johnson's watch as speaker. We're barreling toward another government shutdown. Uh, and, and Republicans gonna, gonna do what they, they, they always do here. And, you know, talk a lot, but not stand their ground in the areas that they really need to stand their ground. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, can we just shut it down and see what happens? Would your life be any worse off with, because it wouldn't be a full government shutdown, although I wouldn't argue that that would be the worst thing either, but a partial government shutdown, right? Is your life really going to be that up? And I, I know people, federal employees, people like, you know, yeah, some people will be affected, but generally, Are your you, life. My, me personally, would my life. life be, no, my life would be better. Almost everybody who's listening right now, I would have that, a, that's exactly how it would be. I would have a, uh, a skip in my step. <laughs> you know, and it, when it does happen, even though it's not, you know, not for very long, I always kind of get that, you know, I get that little permagrin. 
All right. Part of our government is shut down. Yeah. I mean, they're we, not they're, we need more of this. What are they what are they doing that's actually helping me? I don't I don't know. I mean, they're just racking up trillions and trillions in debt. They're not fixing the border. They're not doing anything about the important stuff. They're giving a bunch of money to foreign countries. Well, that's a, that's a big part of it. Right. So, can we stop that? You remember when they told Donald Trump that it was like $5 billion? We we, we just don't have that to build your wall. That's yeah. way too much. Yeah. And now we're, we're we've we've pumped well more than $100 million towards Ukraine, uh, you know, in, in whatever way we've given it to them. Uh, we still found the way to come up with money. Uh, we, we've, we've got no interest, though. We'll give money to, to Israel, even though they can stand tall on their own against Hamas. They don't need our money. Uh, I mean, sure, support them, but they don't need it. Taiwan, all those, all those other countries, but nobody has any concern about us. That This is how... Our government wants to spend your money nowadays. Yeah, on everything that doesn't benefit you. Right. So I, don't, I mean, you're, it, you're, you're. So how am I supposed to feel bad about a partial government shutdown? I don't know. Well, it sounds like they they've passed another stopgap spending plan, so they're going to extend the government funding. Probably going to approve that all uh, today. Uh, and uh, like you heard Chip Roy say there, I heard uh, Ralph Norman from South Carolina said it. Mike Johnson, the House Speaker, said it. They they use the phrase "We keep kicking the can down the road." And that's what they do. And you guys, you know, you Republicans there in Congress can continue to all use the same talking point all you want, but you're not getting anything done. Yeah. The, the Democrats, they continue to bully you and, and you let them and they get stuff done. Why can't you? You talk a big game when it comes down to it. Well, we'll just kick the can down the road. Well, I'll say we'll kick the can down the road and be mad about it. Today. Well, I mean, I guess, you know, there is there is something to be said here. If there is a government shutdown, Patrick, how are our Congress people, how are our representatives supposed to do insider trading? Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. They can't do that business and make mm-hmm. millions and millions of dollars. It is quite quite the, the, the lucrative uh, public service. You know, being in Congress, being being in the Senate, you know, somehow they do it only I don't know. in the United States uh, Congress or Senate. Could you could you go in with 120 bucks to your name and come out with 17.5 million? Yeah, how is how is Elizabeth, first year by the way? How is Elizabeth Warren, Nancy Pelosi, even I think Dan Crenshaw over in Houston? How are they supposed to make their millions if they're not doing business at Congress and doing that trading on the side? No, I get it. They got families to feed. I get it. That's I true. Get it. It's, That's, it's, uh, it's a hard life. Yeah. It, 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 yes. Yes, indeed. The it hard is. knock life. Well, speaking of uh, poor management. Of, uh, of of the taxpayer dollar. Okay. Let's talk about Austin. No, they're not bad at it. Stop it. They're not very good Come at on. it. Come on. I know you just got here a couple a couple days ago. But, Into Austin? Yeah, but uh, yeah. they're not very good. A couple days ago. <laughs> uh, the Austin City Council, though, has found itself between a bit of a, a rock and a hard place. They're, they got budget talks looming uh, in the coming months. And the city's chief financial officer, Ed Venino, now he kind of called the city council out a little bit this this week saying that they really become far too comfortable with all the additional dollars that they've had at their disposal thanks to the COVID-era American Rescue Plan Act funding. Millions, tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars in federal funding that they, they've been sitting on. It, it's boosted a lot of the way they've... It's changed significantly the way the city council has, has, has spent. Yeah. He says that money's going to be drying up soon, and when that happens, council's going to have to get serious about uh, you know what cuts might need to be made. Uh, he says under the current tax rate combined with a slowdown of sales tax revenue growth, the city could have a $15 million budget sh- shortfall by the end of this year, by yeah. the end of this year. And of course, immediately some council members sprang into action going, well, we've got to save the tenant, the tenant assistance program, the rental assistance program. We've got to save, uh, you know, all of these, uh, social programs and safety nets that we've got the handout programs. Yeah. Resident council, soy boy, Ryan Alter also, uh, pressed Venino on the police department budget. 
uh, specifically the huge amount of overtime required of our cops. And he got an answer from the interim city manager, Jesus Garza. I'm wondering, uh, is that something we expect to continue? Is, is the department doing anything to address that uh, overtime? I see Chief Henderson yeah, Chief, <laughs> making her way down. Let me, Chief, as you come up uh, to answer this question, let me try to address this a little bit. Be more uh, yes, on. I think there's been a, a bolus of overtime that happened in the first quarter. Uh, part of the, what's driving that is the short, the, the, the number of officers that are still missing from the roster. And so you can imagine what the chief is having to deal with when we needed to cover an evening shift and there are no takers or there's very few takers. Right. So, so Alter here, he's like, well, but what about all this extra money? You know, the, the police department's got this huge budget and all this overtime, you know, I mean, can we do something about all that? And uh, the chief financial officer, Ed Venino, actually came to, the, came to the aid of APD as well. In the case of the police department, where you look at council authorized somewhere around 1,800 sworn personnel, and we currently have about 1,450 sworn personnel boots on the street, that creates a lot of savings that we had budgeted for salaries that the chief is now needing to use in okay. overtime to to meet the to meet the mission. So there you go. I mean, a, a very clear justification. The city council has put itself in this position. It's relied far too heavily on its ARPA funding. Now when that money dries up, and Vininu said, we're going to use every dime of it, uh, they're going to have to go back to potentially pre-COVID level, sp- pre-COVID era spending. What? We have a $5.5 billion budget. It was $5 billion the year before that. Probably going to be $6 billion next year. Yeah. You think this city council, do you really have faith in your city council that it's going to cut back spending, trim the fat where it needs to be trimmed, and we're actually going to end up where a budget uh, where, where that's going to benefit all Austinites? Uh, I, has there ever been a budget recently that benefits all Austinites? No. I, no, but it's $15 million doesn't sound like the hugest deficit in the world. I mean, it seems like they could probably find things to cut or sure. cut partially or sure. whatever. Uh, that would easily cover that. This doesn't sound like an emergency. If I'm a council member, right, and I hear, oh, there's maybe a $15 million budget deficit, I think it'd be pretty easy to find some stuff to cut. Well, they, they find they find their millions for everything else, their little pet projects. They find it all over the place. Well, yeah, and it, it doesn't, it's, if this was a billion dollar, right, or hundred, hundreds of millions, that, okay, you might have some trouble, but this is only $15 million in a $5.5 billion organization. <laughs> 7.46, Todd and I show Patrick Osborne and Brad Swift in for Todd Jeffries. Uh, so uh, today is the big day, Brad. I, I know I know you've been waiting with bated breath for Joe Biden and Donald Trump to show up along the border here in Texas today. I mean, it's it's been too long. I My heart is a flutter. Mm. To, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm sweating with excitement, mm. right? That's normal. Is it excitement or is it concern? Excitement. Or you just, just eat something bad. Uh, I don't know, man. It's, it's something's going on, but and I, I'm just going to attribute it to this border visit. Fair enough. Uh, I, I, to me, I mean, all all I've heard, it's just both sides right now arguing over who's making the biggest political statement here. Yeah. So on the one hand, you've got Donald Trump. He's going to Eagle Pass, uh, where we well documented a significant problem with illegal border crossings. You've got uh, Joe Biden. He's going to be in Brownsville. Not quite the same kind of hotspot. In fact, the numbers are. Let's see here. Uh, 2016 in Eagle Pass, uh, illegal crossings in recent days, 46 in Brownsville. I, yeah. think it's, I think it's obviously they chose Brownsville because they, they knew they needed a backdrop of the border, but they didn't want people to actually see what's happening there. 
Right. And then people, I, how is that going to work out? People have already seen, and Democrats complain about this all the time in the media and politicians. They, they complain that every time they, a, a footage is shown of the border, it's always, you know, one sector where it's really bad or whatever. So they're going to have this little, you know, media piece that they can play, some B roll, right. if you will, right. of a border that, you know, there's no one really there. And Biden can say, hey, I was there and I didn't see. Much of anything. What are you MAGA guys talking about? Yeah, yeah that's exactly right. Because if, if, if you're looking for a place to not spot them, Brownsville's it. I mean, hey, yeah, look, I'm on the border. There's nothing here, guys. Uh, so uh, you've got uh, who's this? Uh, County Judge Eddie Trevino. He's going to meet, be meeting with, uh, I think he's going to be meeting with Joe Biden. And here's what he's kind of want, wanting to, Joe Biden to see some of. We'll hopefully get the opportunity to mention some of the needs that we have down here with regards to the infrastructure, our, our ports of entry. All right, so I, th- I think that's important. Uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre, of course, uh, you know, she's saying this is all a political stunt. Uh, you've got other Democrats saying this is all a political stunt. Joe Biden is the only one who's actually going down there with any sort of real purpose, even though I think he's only been down there once. Joe Biden is going there with purpose? Yeah. What purpose? They say Donald Trump is just going there because, you know, he's going to inflame uh, his, his, uh, his MAGA troll base even more, you know, as they continue to push back, uh, use their racist hatred to push back these poor migrants at the border. Right, that's going to be the narrative well, for Joe the, Biden's team. The, they're all asylum seekers, Patrick. Don't you know? They're job seekers, is what most of what, what a lot of them are that I hear. They're not. They're not fleeing. Not 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 in these interviews I've seen in the media. What are you coming for? Oh, I'm I'm looking for work. Yeah. Well, get in line, pal. So am I. Well, maybe I'm not, but a lot of us yeah. are. Well, uh, that that would be that would be a breaking, lot of us That would be hour. breaking news, Patrick. Right. If you're looking for a job. Hey, let's head to Hutto. Uh, Jacob wants to weigh in on some of the stuff we've been talking about this morning. Good morning, Jacob. Hey, morning, guys. Actually, I just wanted to say that. I've turn you guys on this morning. I hope that you guys are the future of this radio station in the morning. I really do. Um, I like you guys together and uh, I think y'all get a new uh, youthful perspective about what's going on here. I hope that y'all stay for a while. Well, thank you, Jacob. I, I really appreciate your uh, your kind words there and, and uh, I, I'm, I'm sure Brad does as well. Oh my gosh, Jacob, you've made my day. You uh, Are you a regular listener to the, to the Todd Nas show though? Yeah, probably for like, uh, I've been listening to this morning station for like you know 12 years, so I've been through it. I've seen a lot of people come and go, but I like I like you guys a lot. Well, thanks so much, man. Keep listening and give us a call anytime. We always love to hear from you. Take care of yourself. Have a great day, my friend. 512-836-0590 is the number. That's you know. Am you, I smiling right now? Well, I mean, you know, compliments are nice, man. It's always nice when people recognize you for the hard work that you've put in. I'm talking about myself, of course, not you. Naturally. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm just here to, you know, look and sound pretty. You've worked hard, man. You've, you've built up a nice little, uh, you, you've put together a nice little brand in the city of Austin. Wow. Jesus That's leaves. why you're sitting in front of me now. That's correct. Well, I wasn't going to tell anybody that, but <laughs> I guess the, the secret's out. Uh, so uh, here is what, uh, you know, both sides claiming that this border issue is, is, a, is a, uh, just a political stunt. Well, here's California Democrat Congressman Robert Garcia's interaction with a reporter when he was pressed about Donald Trump and this whole issue of it being just, just a political stunt on his part. His visit tomorrow is nothing more than a massive political stunt to try to get reelected. I wonder if you could speak to Republican claims that Biden's trip is also a political stunt. Republicans that have been screaming and yelling and complaining and begging uh, the president to go to the border now um, for, for months. And so, the, so for any of them to now say that uh, it's political, I think, of course, is just uh, totally another insane statement by any Republican. <laughs> so it, w- when we do it, it's because there's genuine concern behind it, even though for three, more than three years now, we've allowed nine million people to illegally flood in here, and we didn't do anything about it but point the finger at you and tell you you're not, don't believe your lying eyes. Who are they genuinely concerned about? Um, 
I honestly, I th- when you talk when you say they, who do you well, mean? Well, I mean, Democrats? he just says that you know Biden is is going down there because he's the Democrats and Biden are genuinely concerned. Who are they genuinely concerned about? Well, I think they're genuinely concerned about people who you know are looking to cross the border because hey, we've got to import a brand new electorate. We got to get as many in as we can, as long as we give them everything that uh, that that we've promised. Yeah, prioritize them over the current American citizens. Well, we'll get new American citizens one day when they're born into this country, and they'll vote for us. They'll keep voting for us. Yeah, that's naturally. assuming that we la- that we last that long. Because now you're you're, ter- you're playing the generational long game. Sure. Yeah. Well. Yes. That 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 I think that's certainly true. Um, yeah. Of course. You know. Like we said, it's a it's a it's a political stunt. They're both running for reelection. And so, yeah, it's political stunt. So what? Who cares? Which one is right and which one's wrong? Do you expect that we're going to, I mean, you know what I think would be great, actually? I, I think I said this earlier this week, maybe. Uh, I think it would be actually fantastic. You get Donald Trump. I mean, I know they're like five hours apart. And Joe Biden's just standing there and, and, you know, doing his little thing in his diaper for a press conference. Yeah. And here rolls the Trump train. Donald yeah. Trump, and he stands up on top of his bus, and I, I challenge you to debate right here and now. Uh, you think that, oh, that, I mean, just seeing Donald Trump on top of a bus, that would be, okay. that would be something. Wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. I mean, I just, you know, can he do that? I, don't, I, I think he could. He's got the you're resources. you talking about can he physically climb on the bus? Oh, no, well, I mean. Because I, I, don't, I don't even think Donald Trump's, I mean, you know, he is. 77 or something like that. No, I know. And he's, you know, he's got some, he's got some weight to lose, but yeah. Could, I mean, no, I'm saying, could he do that? Cause that's something, you know, does that something that needs a lot of planning? Could he do that on the fly? Could he be that impromptu? Well, so I don't think it would be, I mean, this would, this is how, this would have to be planned, right? Yeah. I mean, you don't just go to Eagle Pass and then say, Hey, everybody get in the car. We're going to Brownsville. I mean, you can, but you it's going to take both. you like he five and a half both. hours to get there. He can do it. Isn't that he's insane got- how big this state is too? Like, there, there are two towns along the border, and it take you hours, five hours, to get from one to the other. It's probably for the best that they're that far apart. Sure. It's, it's a big state, yeah. Hey, speaking of a big state, uh, the uh, some new news out of here. The second largest fire in Texas history is still burning, and uh, we do have at least one death there. Firefighters have not made a lot of progress containing the Smokehouse Fire, which has charred 1,300 square miles of the Texas Panhandle and even crossed into Oklahoma. It's the largest of several fires that have closed roads and caused evacuations, power outages, and the death of at least one person, an 83-year-old grandmother. Fritch, Texas Mayor Tom Ray says 40 to 50 homes have been destroyed and natural gas has been shut off to the town, which lost hundreds of homes to a 2014 fire. Today's forecast may help the firefighters who are working to corral the fires, with temps expected in the 40s and a chance of rain ahead of this weekend's increasing winds. Tanya J. Powers, Fox News. Well, I thought really go out to everybody that's impacted up there. It's I mean, nasty. I, what, what I don't get in situations like this, and I don't know, maybe I'm just uh, an ignorant, uh, you know, non-scientist over here, and that's fine if I am, but... No! Okay, wasn't in the... The, was it the 2018 Beijing Olympics? I think it was. They did cloud seeding, right? They oh. to, to create rain or create snow or whatever. Is that does that it actually not exist or something? Can't they do stuff like that for these situations? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, there's a reason I sit behind a microphone talking and, and, and don't seed clouds. You don't play I, with, I really you don't play with no beakers idea. and stuff like that. Yeah. To me, I mean, I've I've heard it's possible, but I've also heard something like that is ridiculously expensive, and I don't know if it's something we even do. Hey, ridic- okay, if it's oh, is it expensive? Is it expensive to have a, a a wildfire as big as Rhode Island? Bigger than Rhode Island. Bigger than Rhode Island. Mm-mm-mm. That's just terrible. The Todd and Oz Show weekday mornings five to ten on News Radio KLBJ.